The information discussed in this episode is intended as general information only. It is not intended for one-on-one medical advice, and you should always consult your healthcare practitioner before making any changes. And if you like the content discussed in this episode, please go leave a review so that others can benefit from it as well. I am a woman on a mission that is dedicated to teaching you just how powerful your body was built to be. I like to do that by bringing you the latest science, the greatest thought leaders, and applicable steps that help you tap into your own internal healing power. The purpose of this podcast is to give you the power back and help you believe in yourself again. My name is Dr. Mindy Pels, and I want to thank you for spending part of your day with me. Okay, Resetters, we have got another great podcast for you. And as always, we like to bring you a lot of diverse topics. We want to bring you experts that are saying information that is life-changing that you may not be hearing about. And this next person is in exactly fits that profile. So don't you think, Jess, his information was... So unique and so life-changing. And I'll tell you my experience with it personally. Yeah, super unique. We've never had anybody on the podcast to talk about what you're going to tell us what you've been experiencing with him. But super interesting, man. It's a, it's a little bit longer of a podcast, so hang in there till the end. But it was awesome. Yeah. So what Jess and I try to do is at the end of the podcast is really boil it down to applicable information. And what I love about Naraj and this interview is two things you will hear throughout the whole interview. One, he is another scenario of somebody who started down a career path only to discover it was not what brought him joy. And he has a great story. He was a pharmacist. He calls himself the renegade pharmacist, which I love. I love <laughs> any, anybody who thinks outside the box, especially when it comes to healthcare. And he got so disillusioned with giving prescription medication to people. He noticed that every time he would give people medication, they would just come back and require more medication. And so he actually ended up going to a Tony Robbins seminar where he was enlightened, where he saw a whole nother level to life and to health. And I love the way he said, did you catch this, Jess, where he was like, I was dragged. I was dragged to the Tony Robbins seminar. (laughs) I feel like that. That's everybody's story with Tony Robbins. Like if you listen to some of the bigger names out there whose life changed from Tony Robbins, they all have this story of like, oh, I guess I had to go to this Tony Robbins and then their life was transformed. Yeah, mine was too. The UPW I went to, I was like, I guess I'm going. I think it's going to be cheesy. What do you mean they're not going to give us breaks? It sure seems really long. It's four days, right? Or three days or something? It is is a total immersion that you definitely do not want to miss. and. I came out of my Tony Robbins experience and decided I needed to write a book. And within six months, wrote The Reset Factor. And so I've heard more stories like that. And in Naraj's story, you'll hear the same thing. He came out of his experience at Tony Robbins and was like, I can't just keep these people on medication. I have to see what I can do to get them off the medication. And so there's an incredible story he'll tell about these people who were so willing to listen to his advice and that how they did start to slowly get off their medication. 
He even is, I don't know if you guys saw a few years back, there was a square, like an info square that went around social media showing exactly what happened to your body when you drink a bottle of Coca-Cola. Well, he's the one that created that. And he talks about it in this, that he became so filled up with passion to teach people health. That was one of the first things he did was create this info square. Yeah. And I think he did. He went on after that info square went viral. He went on to talk at Mind Valley. He did a presentation at Mind Valley with Vision, who we love so much about health and and what that Coca-Cola infograph represented. Yeah. So it's a, so there's so many nuggets of information in here. Now, what I want you guys to know before I read his profile and what we talked about is that I became so intrigued by his Soma breathing. I've been doing Wim Hof breathing and I like that. And he is taking, this is my interpretation, that he has taken some of the really cool concepts of Wim Hof and he's taken it to a whole nother level. He's added in really cool music He's got a very soothing voice. And so it's called Soma Breathing. You can find some of his Soma Breathing meditations on Spotify for free. He also has a 21-day course that I'm doing right now. And it is incredible, you guys. If you struggle with, with meditation like I do, my monkey mind kicks in all the time. Between his voice, the breathing, and the music, it is like, takes you to another place. Have you tried? Did you try any of it, Jess? I haven't tried any of it yet, but I, you keep telling me every day how amazing it is. So I probably every, should like every, every morning I get out of my chair after doing the Soma breathing. And I'm like, whoa, like I feel like I'm ha- getting more inspiration. The sensation in your body with it is incredible. And he even said it in this interview. He talked about how the Zen, he took the, the techniques that he saw that monks were using and he, not only their meditative techniques, but he also saw that many of these monks were going in and out of high elevations. And he found that in states of hypoxia, which is where you're not getting as much oxygen, that you can tap into other levels of consciousness. Anyways, he took that philosophy and mixed it to music. He used to run, he's a DJ and he used to run raves. This guy is like a jack of all trades and he has found his passion and the Soma breathing is off the hook. And it's an incredible combination of his passion for music and his desire to help people and to tap into the intelligence of your body. So I'm going to make you try it, Jess, and then you're going to come back and tell me what what you think. I don't do drugs. But if I did do drugs, I can imagine it would feel like this. So that's what I've decided. So, Okay, so let me tell you guys a little bit about Niraj Naik. He embarked upon a journey of profound healing and he learned from people who had great success in curing themselves or others from chronic illness. And he talks about that, by the way, in this episode of how he his life was at such an unhappy place when he was a pharmacist that he literally got ill from it, from not living his purpose. It was it, That is a fascinating story in this as well. When you're in the middle of a fast, do you ever hit a wall and then you really start to struggle? Like, I, I know this happens to me sometimes. Like, I'm going along, I'm feeling really good, and then bam, all of a sudden I'm out of energy, I'm starving, and it's like my brain is turned off. So check this out. If that's happened to you, there's a really good chance you're running low on minerals. 
Fasting makes your mitochondria produce more energy. It speeds up fat burning. It helps you make more ketones so your brain is really sharp. But the part of fasting that we don't talk enough about is that those benefits often come at an expense to your body. So you got to look at your body doing the right thing at the right time always. And when you hit that crash, it's a large chance that your body has had to use a ton of minerals to be able to supercharge you in the fasted state. And if your minerals are already low, you can end up depleted. So that is why I love Beam Minerals. They make a full spectrum mineral supplement that is perfect for fasting. It's in a liquid form. It, it literally tastes like water. You just have to take a shot halfway through your fast and you can keep going a whole lot longer without the hunger and the fatigue. So if you wanna experience this, if you wanna try it in your fasting window and see what kind of results you get, just go on over to beamminerals.com and enter the code MINDY for 20% off. And as always, let me know how it works for you. I'm really excited to bring this information to you all because you deserve to thrive in your fasted state. So he learned from these people about how they can tap into their own healing power and how he could overcome his chronic illness. And so he studied and learned to implement natural treatments, including Ayurvedic practices and dietary advice from paleo to the specific carbohydrate diet. And then he mixed that and studied spiritual healing like meditation and yoga and then he jumped into self-hypnosis and NLP. And through all of those studies, he's come up with this concept of soma breathing. You can find him on Instagram. It's called The Renegade Pharmacist, or that's his tagline on Instagram. He's got great Instagram posts. And in this podcast, this is what we covered. We covered how your mind can heal and strengthen your body. We talked about if you want to be successful, how you find your model for success. I really want to point that out. This We are a culture of mimicry and we need to find our own path. And he talked about that and how he broke free from what was supposed to be his path and how he found his own path. We talked about the correlations between the pharmaceutical industry and the food industry. We talked about how you rise above the chatter to think differently than people who are stuck in the sick care system. And then we dove into the ancient breathing techniques that are off the hook is what he calls soma breathing. So you guys, this is a unique one. And like Jessica said, it's long. So hang in there because at the end, we broke down some of the our ahas and there's so many nuggets in here, so many nuggets. And please go try Soma Breathing. We'll leave his 21-day awakening program. We'll leave the link for that in the notes. And if you try Soma Breathing, please let me know. I really want to know your experience with it. And I don't know if you guys know, we have an Instagram just for the Resetter podcast. You can come leave comments over there so we can know how you're resonating with these different podcasts. So enjoy. Well, one of the things I love is people who think outside the box, which is why we have you here. And I think we are at a time where the world has an opportunity to wake up. And in our, it often takes that discomfort for people to all of a sudden realize that there's systems that were broken, there's, there's a lifestyle that's broken, and that change needs to happen. 
So one of the things I, why I wanted to bring you on is to really talk about how we can wake up to a new life, a new world, because that's really your journey. I mean, you're the renegade pharmacist. When I saw you on my schedule, I was like, Ooh, I love that. What a great term. <laughs> nice. But yeah. let's, how do you go from being a pharmacist to a breath worker? Like there has been a spiritual journey here that you have been on. So take us through what unfolded for you to really take your foundational career and turn it upside down. That's a, a great question. And actually, there's a long story, but I'll, I'll try and keep it concise as possible. But basically, I actually got into it really by accident because I was actually a bit of a raver when I was younger. I was like, I ran like raves at university. Like um, Literally. This was my first business actually. And for three years, we had like a club with 2000 people almost every month. It was amazing. And that's what I always thought I was going to do. But then... Yeah, I mean, it's a very hedonistic lifestyle. So I got a lot mm. of things out of my system at a young age. Saw a lot of, of the, the way the world works on a kind of an underworld level as well. And anyway, things took its toll and I ended up getting having to go back to finish my degree as a pharmacist and became were you a forced? pharmacist. You were forced to? No, it was like I had no choice. I mean, it was I'd done all the, the work. I just had to finish the qualification. And I come from a pretty... I come from a pretty strict Indian family, you know, like they, they're very educational oriented. So like when I tried to tell them that I'm, I don't want to finish this degree, they like almost had heart attacks. So I was like, okay, I, I, I finished it. But by that point, it was really hard to get back into the groove. And it was a lot of work involved with playing that event. And it was also, it took a toll on me, like that lifestyle. It takes its toll on you. Like you get worn out. So I ended up mentally, being a pharmacist. Like, I just, just physically, me- physically, mentally, you get drained. You're late nights all the time. There's a lot mm, of the rave hedonism. life. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a it's a it's a pretty hardcore life, and it it it's not like gonna. Not everyone can handle it. Yeah, and I actually wasn't that even that well going into pharmacy. Like I I need to solve my mm. own health issues. But what happened was, I slowly became more and more depressed. Because a job is so robotic. Mm. It's such a robotic job. Like you're, you don't even have much time to think because you're constantly like dishing out pills all day long. Wow. And you're literally just sticking labels on boxes and getting them out. And, and I just couldn't do it. Like I'm, I'm, a, I'm not a robot, you know, I'm not a machine. I don't know how people can just do that nine to five and yeah. clock off and then forget about the job and go in and do it the next day. It's almost like they're two different people. And I was trying to be like that and it just wasn't working. I wasn't being true to myself. And I also saw a lot of the issues with this industry. I was like, this is a business. So they don't really want people to get cured, you know, and it's a big emphasis on pills. So people come customers for life, you know, they end up taking so many pills every single day and they don't seem to be getting better. And I could just see it for what it was. And a lot of the pharmacists I work with were depressed, you know, they were like, they just were disillusioned. And actually now there's more pharmacists leaving the profession. Yeah. There's like over a thousand doctors alone leaving the NHS. This was a Guardian article that came out recently saying, and actually, you know what? 56% of them said that they are scared to pe- speak out publicly. Yeah. Right? Wow. That was one of the reasons for leaving. So 
Yeah. There's a lot of disillusionment in healthcare. Like yeah. it's not all rosy. It's and yet we rosy. put those we put those people on pedestals. You know, it's Big like it's, especially here in America, it's like that being a medical jo- a doctor or being a, like a pharmacist, like medication, like we that's the hero. And yes. in healthcare, and we don't realize that the people that are in it are really disillusioned. So, yeah, such a good point. So, you know, I, I mean, there are some places, time and places for medications, and they can do amazing emergency, life-saving kind of work. Agreed. But, but they are misused now. Like they they don't work very well for chronic health issues. You know, these are diseases of lifestyle and you need a whole different approach. And actually, the healthcare industry has moved towards being more open to holistic, you know, techniques. For sure. So that's a good thing. It's a positive thing. But still, there's so much emphasis on medication. And then there is a little bit of a a kind of a underworld, even in that world, where they try and stamp out anything that's competitive, you know, to, to them. So... You know, I, I had to get out of the game. I, I just was not into it. And what happened was I ended up getting taken, kicking and screaming to a Tony Robbins event. Ah. And basically, I it was the first time I heard anyone talk about health and breath and meditation and lifestyle changes and diet and things like that. It was like still, it was quite an overview. It was still focused on some things which I realized are, it was still a bit too much of a one size fits all approach. But I realized in, you know, over time, actually, there's more to it than what, what I was taught in this event. But it was a real eye opener. I have sick people coming in all the time into this pharmacy. And if this stuff works, what he's talking about, because you're not told about, told about diet, nutrition, and a university, no emphasis on that at all, you know, so... Which is crazy onto itself. <laughs> it's madness. So I, I actually started to test this out by writing out healthy shopping lists. You had five minutes to, to help a patient. I'd, I'd give an analogy that they're like a car, a super efficient car that basically has an engine. And what happens if you put diesel into your petrol engine of your normal car? And almost everyone's done it at least once, put the wrong fuel into the car. Mm. And they know what it's like. And I'm like, well, look, you've just been putting the wrong fuel into your own engine. And here's the right fuel. Do you want to get off these medications? Or do you want to keep taking them? And lots more. And there were, most people don't want to take them. So they were like, oh, I, you know, if there's another way, show me. So I would be like, look, there's no guarantees, but give this a go. And I'd start writing very basic things. Just Basically, all I did was tell them to stop eating factory foods and swap all those fizzy drinks and stuff for just normal things like, you know, like water with fresh lemon juice. And I mean, it was amazing when you'd see the, sometimes you see people come from the grocery section and come over and say, is this what you mean by fresh lemon juice? And they'll have this bottle of, you know, like artificial kind Lemonade. of... Lemonade. Like, yeah, like stuff like that, like, oh. like syrup or like, you know, the GIF, like, you know, the just the artificial lemon juice, but... It was hilarious. So I had to actually almost educate people on how to make food for themselves. And I wasn't even that good at it myself. I wasn't that clued up. So it was, it was crazy. But anyway, those who, who took my advice actually got better. It was amazing. So many people had success. Did the pharmacy get mad at you? I mean, you're basically stopping customers. Oh, yeah, yeah. They, they weren't happy. I was, I mean, I, I got, I literally got kicked off my first job, but 
I then wrote a CV on monster.com, all the reasons why I'll never be a pharmacist ever again and why the system sucks. I never expected anyone to get in touch with me. I got headhunted by someone who was recruiting for a very big corporation in the UK. And they basically were like, we almost like begging me to go and work for them. It's so weird because I was like, are you sure you've read my, you've read my CV? Are you sure you... <laughs> You, you know, you want, and they were like, no, you're the perfect kind of person. So in the end, I went for this interview and I, they told me there's this entrepreneur's competition where if you have good ideas, they can promote you to work on. And I ended up winning this idea and I got promoted to the head office where I deliver these healthy shopping lists en masse to their customers. Wow. It would have been a huge product, like system and, and would have helped a lot of people. But six months into it, they shelved it. And it's very unclear exactly why, but it's, I think it was too controversial. You know, telling people not to drink from a huge corporation like this that sells unit, hundreds, maybe billions of units a year of this stuff. So, so basically, I got super disillusioned at this point. And I don't know if you've ever worked in a corporate head office, but I really haven't. robotized and just not the most soulful environment. Yeah, no so heart. An artist, not so good. And you really, it's like an animal farm. It really is. So anyway, I, I was so depressed and boom, I got hit with a, you know, the universe had been telling me for ages, like, look, you're not cut out for this pharmacy stuff. Go do something else. And I got the first symptoms of this colitis, ulcerative colitis. Mm. And basically then I was housebound for almost a year. And I surrendered to the, music, to the, to the medical industry at that point. And I just tried all the things they said. And they basically told me there's no, basically diet doesn't have an effect. Stress doesn't have an effect. You know, all of these things that are complete BS. This was a consultant telling me this. There was this huge over, overweight, obese right. lady who was shoving this thing up my, my bum to, to tell me. I Also, it's colitis. And when you get these symptoms, you're bleeding so much that you get scared. So you do whatever you, you're told. And uh, by people you trust. And then slowly I realized that actually, I don't think they know what they're talking about. And luckily, someone came to my rescue who, a very dear friend of the family now, Swami Yamkananda, who said, look, you've actually got a gift. If you can actually reverse this, you know, then you'd be an amazing role model to other people. They say God stands for gift of desperation. When you get really desperate, God seems to come to you at that time. And that's what happened. And literally, the consultant told me you've got two, two op- options. I'd have your colon removed. Or be a guinea pig for a drug that hasn't been tested before. Wow. I wasn't down for any of that. And so I took the third path. And that was to go back into the roots of yoga, pranayama, Ayurveda, meditation. And I went into that and discovered like some protocols. One thing Tony Robbins said, which is really important, was model success. Like find people who are successful and model them if you want to be successful. Actually, Jim Rohn says this. He was his mentor. So basically, it's very simple stuff. Like this is a good lesson for life. It's like if you want to be successful, just model success. So I started to find people who had actually healed themselves from pliers rather than all the doom and gloom stories and focus on what they were doing. And I started to follow it. And all of them had this emphasis around certain lifestyle changes that was also uh, mentioned in Ayurveda and these other systems and and the breath i found was really powerful that was the one thing that what not many people talked about but i got the most relief from pranayama which means energy control pranayama mm. 
And using that, a few lifestyle changes with my diet, different meditation techniques, going into sauna, using the sauna like a, a church almost to, to basically speak your unconscious mind to resolve, you know, issues from the past. I mean, I had a lot of unresolved anger from like mm. when I was young, getting bullied all the time, you know, had parents who were very strict to uh, doing a, a degree that I didn't really want to do. So then losing all of that and then being a pharmacist and, and getting into the conspiracy theory world and, and just getting resentment for the world and ha- hatred. And I try and stay out of that stuff because it, it's just... It just stresses you out. Yeah, it keeps it going. Yeah, I'd rather go and look for solutions instead. So if you hold on to anger, you know, the only thing, only person who's going to get burnt is yourself. So true. Same thing with any kind of of these unresolved emotions. A lot of people hold on to guilt, shame and things like that. And they don't deal with it. And this is what the Ayurvedic system tells us, how to resolve these issues and how to give your body the right fuel and how to do the right breathing. And how to use the right yoga science based on your energy types. It's, it's really a quantum science. And you can figure out what your actual energy type is, which is unique. Everyone has a different characteristic based on their personality and their physical characteristics. So I, I basically created my own plan, which was similar to what people who are successful had done. And within a few months, I was back to normal health. And I made a pact. I'm going to do what I've Oh, one thing I have to mention is the music. So the music I got back into in a big way because I'd fallen out with music for a while and I didn't like the music industry at all. Like I actually befriended a guy who was quite successful in the music industry. He basically wanted to be my manager. He managed some ma- major bands. Like This is when you were doing the raves? Uh, after that, when I was, oh, okay. I, I was in pharmacy, I, I was trying to get out of pharmacy and I got into music and I'd made some music and... This one, this guy called Safta Jaffrey is a famous music manager. And he managed a big band called Muse. He, he made them super famous. They're, they're pretty famous around the world. But he basically was trying to get me out of the like wanting to be in the music business. Because he had fallen out of love with it. He said, it's cutthroat. It's like a mafia. It's soulless. You know, it's corporate. You know, there's no bands with a message anymore. And he, he says, you're just getting up alive trying to do what you want to do through the the actual mainstream music industry he said you got to do it on your own you got to find something new and i was always ranting about pharmacy and he was like look do something to solve that problem so in the end i fell out of love with music a bit making it until i got sick and i started to listen to all this meditation music and this brainwave music online on the internet for the first time and i started to compose the stuff because it was so therapeutic so soothing and then I figured out how to combine the breath with the rhythm of music mm. to create all these amazing effects with your physiology and get into this deep autosis consciousness. And I created my first music therapy business called Trip Normal Meditation. And it got used by some of the top therapists in the world, healing centers, people like Marissa Peer, famous hypnotherapist. And amazing. then um, I met Wim Hof and I produced a soundtrack to the Wim Hof Method and we became Amazing. great friends. I went on tour with him a little bit. We were going to form a band. And unfortunately, like Sasafta, you know, we always tried to do something. And he always said, like, you need a good front man for your, for your music. And I thought I'd found him with Wim. And I was like frantically trying to get hold of Sasafta during this time. But I had no idea that he got a brain tumor. And he ended up Wim dying. Wim 
No, no, no. This guy, oh. the, my friend who's the manager. Ah, yeah, and I yeah, wanted okay. to tell him I've met this guy, Wim Hof, and we can yeah. make this and all this. And actually, it was too late because he died in a coma. Oh, wow. And it was such a, that was crazy. So anyway, what I feel like is almost like everything that's unfolded now is like a vision that me and him had kind of had, like, which was to do, to put music with the right intention and purpose again. So, so to have therapeutic music used in a way that actually heals and nourishes the soul of humanity. And this is literally what we've created. The stuff I've done with Wim for the Wim Hof Method, what I've been doing with Soma Breath. I actually became very close friends with uh, the founder of Zumba. Mm. And he has created an amazing movement around the world where people dance to music, right? But, so we've modeled that success. And we've created this Soma Breath online school where we train instructors in this incredible experience with breathwork that you can create with just music and these certain pranayama, ancient pranayama techniques that takes you into this divinity, this state of altered, profound states of consciousness. But it's also really good for your health, amazing for your physical health. I, and I yeah. want to dive into that because that's a topic we have not brought to our resetter community. Uh, we do a lot of fasting together. And so it's really cool because with fasting, you just people get the first glimpse of how intelligent their body was designed to be. And I'm sure with breath work, it's like the same thing. But what I find so interesting about your story is that so many people are stuck in the poor lifestyle, medicate your symptoms loop. And it's almost like big pharma and the food industry are like the paired up to create poor health in our world. Do you feel like that's an accurate statement? And and because when I say it to people, people think I'm the crazy one. And I'm like, I can't unsee this any different way than when we have 50,000 ingredients in that have been approved for our food that are not considered safe. They're generally recognized as safe. And we have, you know, kids, 25% of American kids are on a medication they'll never get off of. Like there is something going on here that is not working for our health. Do you, do you feel that same way? It's absolutely like, beyond logic isn't it it's like totally beyond it doesn't make sense anymore so the only there's a documentary called thank you for smoking have mm. you seen that documentary it's no, really I it's haven't. not a documentary so it's a movie it's not a documentary it's okay. a movie but it seems like a doc it's very well done and it's all about the tobacco industry and advertising and in the in that one see in one of the scenes his son of the guy who's his chief advertiser, marketer of this tobacco company, asks his dad because he's getting like bullied at school a little bit because his dad works for a tobacco company. You know, why do you do this? And he just looks at his son and he went, population control and smiles. Wow. And Seriously? That's, yeah, and it's so, like, I just think it's, uh, it's, it's a very, very iconic movie. You've got to watch it. It's, it's a I really will. good movie. But basically, I, I wonder if that is what it is because... Why else would they do this to people at such a scale where we can be abundant, we can have... Like there's a scarcity 
mindset and there's an abundance mindset. And I believe the world right now is driven by a, a big scarcity mindset. Oh, yeah. like back off. So you can't be healthy without our drugs. You can't grow your own food. We have to give you the food that you, you, you're supposed to eat. There's a big drought. There's a big famine in the world. You know, there's, it's really difficult to make food. So we, we give you the... And the same thing, you know, you can't look after yourself. There's a threat constantly. There's danger. There's lack of resources, you know, global warming. All of these fears, all this lack, 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 fear-based scarcity that drives people towards kind of an insanity, like a, a move, like a, everyone's in their reptilian brain. When you're in your reptilian brain, it's really hard to think straight. You know what, like, I don't know if you ever experienced this, but when you really need to go to a P and you're in a conversation and that time when you really starting to go for P and you're in this conversation, you just stop being able to register anything that person's saying until you've gone. And that's what it's like. Everyone is like literally crapping themselves and peeing themselves every day there's so much fear on TV and they can't think straight anymore. It's and it's so caused true. chaos. And either there is, there is really the devil on the earth and he's just creating chaos and that's, or she or whatever is, that's his intention and purpose. And we're going through the fourth stage of the Vedic cycle. Mm. Kali Yuga, the time of chaos where, you know, the good become the meek and the meek become the kings or whatever, you know. It's like everything's, upside down basically the opposite so what's the next phase the next phase we go back to what's gonna happen (laughs) well the next phase which uh, um, unfortunately is meant to be in thousands and thousands of years still oh we won't is the satyug which is going back to the beginning it's like the beginning of cycles so it means that then we go into enlightenment we go into love and but there's less people on the planet we live in harmony with nature we live for very long periods of time. And it's all according to time cycles. So nobody really knows for sure what... I'm sure there are some people in the Himalayas who absolutely know everything about the timelines of human history. Maybe there are some immortal yogis who know all this stuff. But basically, but nobody's ever seen them or heard of them. But you, know, you just hear these legends, these tales um, in India. The Mayan calendar also tells of a time where the calendar ends and time cycles begin again. And then maybe it's just like bacteria, right? Bacteria grows, gets to a certain point where it it eats up all the resources and then it starts killing each other, fighting for resources, and then boom, populations start again. And maybe the same thing with humans because the way they describe each of the phases, it's like it's all to do with population. As the populations expand, consciousness of human beings changes because scarcity and competition creeps in right interesting that's where we are right now for sure yeah unless right now there's a false sense of scarcity maybe thing there's an alarmist tendency at the moment which is you know using scare stories about things that may not really be true like now, I don't really trust the science anymore for a lot of things because the science towards this COVID situation has been insanely bad. Yes. And it's so misguided and they've ignored immune system health and so many different things. Like it's like they ban drugs when they're, they're safe and tested drugs, and all kinds of stuff. It just doesn't make sense anymore, like science, yeah. whether it's true or not. So when someone tells me the world's going to end in five years if you don't stop burning fossil fuels, I, I question it, you know, yep. yeah. I could challenge the science now. More, and more, 
more and more people need to start challenging like alarmist news. Well, and I was thinking about when you were talking about conspiracy theories, you know, it is if you are not thinking like the way that the mainstream world wants you to think, you're considered a conspiracy theorist. And your thoughts are considered like if you're thinking outside the box and you're actually thinking you're considered a conspiracy theorist. Talk a little bit about that because I just want people, my, the word I've been using during this chaos is that we have to rise above. There's so much chatter going on that it's hard to see where the truth lies and that yeah. there's a moment where we're going to need to rise above the chatter and think differently. And that might mean that we get called conspiracy theorists. We might be called a renegade. We might be called, you know, something outside the box does not typically resonate with people. Do you find that as somebody who branched out of your, your mainstream profession? I've had it constantly because you, what happens is now it becomes an autopilot response. It's so cleverly and emotionally written if you read some of these articles right? It basically brainwashes people into misunderstanding the meaning of words. So the term conspiracy theory, they're changing the meaning of it. Conspiracy theory, if you just break it down, what it means, a conspiracy is when a small group of people plot to do some kind of evil intent against a larger group of people. Now, you cannot deny that this has happened many times in history before. Mm-hmm. Right, a small group of people have clubbed together to do something against a larger group of people. Right? There's also good conspiracies. Actually, the word conspire actually means breathe together. Mm-hmm. Right? Conspire means breathe together. So actually, before the 13th century, when conspiracy turned into a dirty word, conspire people used to conspire all the time. They'd come together, they'd pray together, and that would be when thinking would happen. The the connections would be formed. Love and that. it would seem like it's a small group of people clubbing together. And maybe all of this, the skeptics of the church and or the, the Masonic lodges or whatever there was at the time, when people used to breathe together, these weird groups of people coming together, breathing together, maybe they looked at them with as though they were evil, doing evil tenant, and they were conspiring against them. And then eventually, you know, if you know the story where one of the Roman emperors gets very paranoid about the Knights Templar and he kills them all on Friday the 13th. And that's when it, the word conspiracy started to turn into a, a dirty word. And basically, so there has been throughout history, many, many stories of conspiracies. Like you could say the Nazi, the Nazis were conspiring against. That's a conspiracy that is not theory. So a, conspir- a theory is when and science is still theoretical. Most science is theoretical, right? There's no consent. You cannot, that's the thing with science. You can't absolutely say something is true because there's, until you, you, I mean, you have to keep testing, like doing tests to disprove a theory, right? Yeah. You know, so, so basically, even science is full of theories. So, so basically, when you get enough dots together, like the, the, beyond like now chance of information and events and things like that, it becomes more like a plan now and more, more, less like you, you stop theorizing and now thinking that this could be reality. So 
when you have enough information about something, a conspiracy goes from conspiracy theory to a reality, a conspiracy that is a reality. And I think nowadays, a lot of the informed people are actually talking about reality as opposed to a theory. So, but the problem is with the media is it's, it's turned people into this autopilot response. Anyone who questions anything is, is called branded a conspiracy theorist. So without the person even having a chance to register that when somebody comes says, Oh, you know, they did this thing in Victoria where they've passed this law where they can now have unlimited powers to detain you against your will. You know, even if, even if they just assume that you're going to do something, they don't have to have any proof. Like now somebody will automatically say you're a conspiracy theorist. And it's negative. I mean, this is the thing that baffles me is if you think outside, and I love this idea of conspire, it's people coming together, thinking differently. And then if it turns into a reality that's different than what the rest of the world is, I mean, we just end up in these these philosophical debates. And we're now, you know, I had a, a really interesting conversation with Marianne Williamson and she was saying here in America that we've really lost the ability to have thoughtful discourse. Yeah. We no longer know how to disagree with each other. And especially right now, we just point our fingers and go, oh, you're stupid. And we shut you out. We turn, take, you know, unfriend you on social media. So it's unbelievable that the creativity of our thinking has been stifled, especially in this moment. And when it comes to people's health, this is where I get upset because we, everybody is living in fear and they, they, were, they have no idea how powerful their body is. They have no idea because they've been programmed to think that they are weak. You know, we have here in America 72 vaccines before the time somebody... It's unbelievable. So the, the messaging that parents are getting is that the human body's weak. We need to vaccinate that. So there's no empowerment anywhere when it comes to your health. And you know what's, what's funny what you say about that? The people who quick to quick to label you as a conspiracy theorist, they're the same kinds of people who, when there's a cow being injected with hormones and vaccines and all this stuff, they're like, they're the first people protesting, going animal rights, you know, save the animal. But they don't. They don't. When you when you say, but hold on a minute, why are we giving seventy two vaccines to humans? Right, they're fellow humans. They'll they'll be the first to inject their the little babies, yeah, and with all these vaccines. But at the same time, complain about the farmers doing it to the cows. But they'll be so threatened when you might challenge the. The safety of vaccines, you know, so people don't know how to think they've been robotized, they've been programmed, they've been conditioned. And, you know, I don't know what I I mean, that's worrying. Like, that's the problem is how easily humans can change like that so quickly. It's it's totally it's totally concerning, and those of us that step out of it and say you've been programmed are getting arrows. And I just 
I, you know, this is part of my passion is I don't care. Shoot the arrows at me. I'm going to keep telling you how powerful you are and undoing your, your programming because there's a better life you can live. And you're a perfect example of that. Who's somebody went into a classic profession they thought they were supposed to go into only to be disillusioned, then to have a health problem. And then to come, we call it a pain to purpose journey, where you then come out of that and you find a whole nother level of life and health that you didn't even know existed. But you're like one of the lucky ones. So, you know, like there's too much, so many people stuck in that middle life. I mean, most of the world is stuck in this place of I'm sick, I'm taking medication, I'm listening to the program, I'm suffering, and they don't know how to step out. So yes. I love this idea. And I'm hoping you're going to tell me that breath work is, the, is a piece of the step out. But before we jump into that, the last thing I want my audience to know about you, your claim to fame, is that you were the one that created the little square about Coke and what it does yeah, within. Yeah. yeah. And I, I mean, I remember that went through the whole internet. And I was like, this is brilliant. Somebody finally saying what Coke is doing to your body. So explain a little bit about how you started to take Coca-Cola on and why you created that square. Well, yeah, this is going back to what I was saying in the pharmacy when I was working, just seeing so many people in fizzy drinks with diabetes and obesity and all that. I could see an apparent, a clear link. It was just night and day obvious, you know, like there was a link between fizzy drinks and all these health issues. So what happened was I came across some of that research that, that I then turned into a infographic. And um, actually, what happened was as well before that, somebody said to me, it was a famous guy, he said, you know, what you need to do is get as much publicity as you can for your mission. Mm. Because, and there's no, no such thing as bad publicity. Like, you know, the only thing worse than bad publicity is no publicity. Yeah. So, and this guy was a master of PR stunts and doing stuff like that. So um, I was like, okay. Hmm. But I just meditated on it once. And within, I'm not kidding, within like, what happened was I, I had made this infographic, just wasn't even thinking about it, put it on my site. And this one guy from a very high traffic website, Truth Theory, he goes, can I publish some of your articles? Because I love your content. I was like, sure. Didn't think anything of it. Two months later, I'm getting like emails from Daily Mail, from Huffington Post, from all these people requesting to use my infographic because they want to republish my life. Amazing. I was like, what's going on? Boom. Like, I think a billion people have seen that infographic now. It's insane. People have done like marketing case studies on it. It cost me five bucks on Fiverr. Crazy. It's beautiful. And I, it's like, it says like what happens to Coke when it goes into your body within an hour, was it? Like within a, yeah. Yeah. It was a timeline of an hour. Did Coke come after you? Did you get any response from Coca-Cola? No, yeah, maybe they're looking out for me still. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> not yet. They've got you on their radar. Yeah, I think I probably actually um, boosted their sales because every everyone was probably trying to test it out. Oh, yeah, that's a like, funny. Oh, thought. what happened? What does happen? They probably yeah. bought more Coke as a result. You know, all the robotized people. Yeah, it's the theory of any publicity is good publicity. My dad was in advertising and he used to always say that. It doesn't matter if it's good or bad. It's always, yeah. Everything's good. 
Hey, Resetters, as we step into the new year, I am so thrilled to invite you on an extremely transformative journey with me in my Reset Academy. So check this out. If you're ready to kickstart your fasting and health journey, which I know so many of you have reached out to us and asked how you customize a fasting lifestyle for you, my Reset Academy is the absolute best place to be. So here's what you get in the Academy, and I like to think of it in terms of a complete picture. So imagine being surrounded by people who understand your journey, who are passionate for fasting, who want to lift you up and will support you every step of the way. My Academy is not just me, my team, but it is an incredible group of people that are all dedicated to building fasting lifestyles and supporting each other in it. This is why I created the Reset Academy. So when you join, you gain access to all the exclusive calls where my team and I share the latest insights, we answer your burning questions, and we guide you towards your health goals. That's not it. We didn't stop there. By becoming a member, you're not just investing in a membership, but you're investing in yourself. I am such a fan of setting you up to win this year. And my academy is the best place I know to do that. I want to keep you focused. I want you to customize this for you. And I want you to succeed at your health goals this year. End of story. So if you're ready to unlock your fullest potential and embrace a fasting lifestyle, join me. If it feels good, join me. And let's make this year an incredible year for us all. So all you got to do is go visit drmindypels.com slash reset academy to become a member. I can't wait to welcome you. I can't wait to see you on the Zoom calls. I can't wait to be in community with you. And most importantly, let's get your health goals handled and let's do this together. It's so much better together. Together. So that's drmindypels.com slash reset academy. Excited to see you there. So talk to us about breath work. So I'm finding, I just started doing the Wim Hof breathing and I've been doing yoga for many years and I'm intrigued by breath work. And it's something that to me goes very synergistically with the fasting lifestyle that the, my community is building and learning how to use different principles of fasting. Because if we do have the food industry and big pharma so wrapped into our minds and our health, we're going to need to build some other skill sets to be able to step out of that. And I found fasting can do that. And I really want to learn about breathing and what we can do around breath work. So talk to us a little bit about why breath work, what works and what it is. And is it just you start breathing or is there actually some strategies to it? Yeah, yeah. so you get all my, my wisdom of breath from the ancient school of breathing from India, pranayama. And pranayama literally means energy control, pranayama, energy control. And somehow the ancient mystics, they understood that breathing is directly linked to your production of energy in the body. And actually this, the Ayurvedic system is really a quantum science. It really understands the wholeness of the body and the connection that energy equals matter equals M, okay? And basically, when you control the energy within, you can control the energy on the outside. It's like how you create magic, manifest. So tantra is the action 
part, the doing, the method of harnessing the energy in the body to, to create whatever you want in reality. So basically, the breath is a strong component, pranayama, because that is the access point also to the unconscious mind. Okay? Because the one thing that runs on autopilot, we also have conscious control over is the breath, but it also affects your energy production in the mitochondria. And you can, by breath control, you can actually slow your breathing right down. You can speed it up. You can harmonize your breathing, breathing in a perfect rhythm. You can hold your breath in and out in different ways. And all of this creates an ability to control the respiration within, right? So pranayama is really a series, is a pharmacy of different breathing techniques for different uses. Oh, I love that. Actually, yeah. One of the things that is, again, my message to the world is this idea that we are a pharmacy and that we can tap into different chemicals that are free and they're more powerful than and have no side effects than yeah. your favorite medication or recreational drug. What chemicals are released when you're breathing? Right. So, so basically, breathing is interesting. When you breathe in, your heart rate goes up a little bit. When you breathe out, your heart rate goes down a little bit. Okay? okay. So your heart rate is always going up and down a little bit and fluctuating. It's never the same beat all the time. And so when you breathe in and you do certain breath techniques, when you breathe in, you can stimulate production of adrenaline and you can create a stress response in the body. When you breathe out, you can slowly breathe out. You stimulate the parasympathetic, the vagus nerve, and you you basically work on the rest and digest side of the nervous system. If you look at like pharmacy, the medications, what they do is they generally mimic like neurotransmitters. So they either work on sympathetic nervous system or the parasympathetic. So like if you want to go to sleep, your brain produces, you know, melatonin and and like your own innate versions of like sleeping tablets, right? And relaxants, muscle relaxants. Right. Right. And also when you want to get stuff done, you maybe you want to fight or you want to run away or you get excited, you, you, you know, you're dancing and moving, doing something produce adrenaline, produce sympathetic nervous system response. So with the breath, actually, you can actually tap into this hormonal system. So you can produce more energy with your breath. You can mm. slow the energy right down. You can calm yourself down. You can use visualization techniques as well. And what this does, it works on the unconscious mind, like self-hypnosis. And you can start producing your own sleeping pills. You can produce your own muscle relaxants. You know, tension that. is one of the biggest problems in the world today, right? Chronic pain from tension. And actually, when you get stiff because you're so stressed all the time, you get diminished blood flow to your joints. And then this leads to inflammation and, and other problems. You get degeneration of the cells because you're not getting blood flow. So actually, just relaxing and breathing in a certain way actually can release that tension. You produce more endorphins and Endorphins has a protective effect. You produce nitric oxide. Nitric oxide is an amazing antioxidant and it has yep. a plethora of different health benefits. There's a vasodilator. You know, carbon dioxide as well is actually your friend. You've you got to use it, right? Actually, there's an oxygen paradox. So we've all been told oxygen is, is medicine, right? And it's, that we should all be deep breathing. In fact, this is a complete paradox. Not true at all. So there's a phrase oxidative stress that was uh, coined by Helmut Seas. And he says, although it's very difficult to live 
with, without oxygen, it's also very difficult to live with oxygen, mm. right? And the reason why is because oxygen is like a fire. It combusts. It, it rusts. You know, you see it rust in, in nature, like the metal, like your car. Right. Frame might rust. Same thing happens internally if you have too much oxygen. So also pranayama was studied by, was created by studying animals in nature. And they realized that animals that live a very long time, elephants, turtles, they actually have very slow breathing rates, two to four breaths a minute. Animals that don't live a long time, like rats and mice, they actually breathe very fast, like 20 to 40 breaths a minute. And humans, we have a conscious ability to control our breath. Right? We live in the middle, somewhere like 70 to 80. But we can expand our life by controlling the breath. That's what the whole philosophy is of pranayama. But anyway, there are some exceptions to the, this, this rule. And that is the naked mole rat. The naked mole rat actually lives, guess what, up to 30 years, free from disease. It's a super robust rat. And the only real difference between the naked roll map and they even tried to give it cancer, but they, it doesn't even get cancer. It's so hard. It's such a strong, strong creature. The only difference, guess what it is? Breath. Their ability to hold their breath. Yes. So the naked roll mat, mole rat lives underground in hypoxic conditions for like 18, can hold his breath for like 18 minutes at a time. It lives very, very much in an underground environment, a hypoxic environment. Right? And... The whales, another exception. How long do you think a whale can hold their breath? Oh, I've heard this before. It's like 10 minutes or something. No, 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 like two hours. Like two hours. Okay, because they go yeah. under. Yeah. Wow. And they live, they live for like 200, 300 years. And they're like crazy long time. So basically, there's something about oxygen and lifespan. So, so basically, all of the techniques that I, I teach in Soma Breath is designed to improve your oxygen efficiency. You can improve your oxygen efficiency. It means you become adapted to using oxygen. So you need the least amount of oxygen to make energy, right? Right. Your endurance goes up, your stamina goes up, your breath rate goes right down, your natural breath rate goes down. You're more calm, you're more relaxed, your nervous system's stronger. Absolutely. You produce more nitric oxide, carbon dioxide, your blood vessels are dilated and nitric oxide is like an antioxidant. How long, just really quick before I forget, how long can we hold our breath? Because I've been doing the Wim Hof breathing and my husband's a diver and he was like, I said, I, I held my breath four minutes today. And he goes, I didn't even know you could do that. Like, I don't know if that's safe. How long can we hold our breath for? That's really impressive. Well done. So actually, I mean, I've sat with Wim and he's held his breath for like eight and a half minutes while I'm there. <sighs> been in his pool doing it. I've got to around uh, about four and a half to five minutes, but that's with a lot of practice. And this is on yeah. the out breath, right? But it's really, it takes a lot of practice. In his breathing where you go in and out, the first time I did it, I was like, oh my God, everything's burning. Like my chest yeah. was burning and then you get all tingly. And then I found the holding the breath almost to feel like euphoric. Yes. So we'll talk about that in a moment, why that happens. So, so basically... You can actually, there are people who have held their breath like 20 minutes at a time on the inhale. There's, I think the world record's around 24 minutes, maybe. You got to check it out. It's insane. So it is possible for humans to live quite a long time, relatively long time without oxygen. 
But it's not about that. What it really is about is your efficiency of using oxygen. So your breath control, like your ability to hold your breath is a good indication of how efficient you are using the oxygen, how, how long you can hold, go without, how strong your reserves are, right? Okay. But also your efficiency is down to a few factors like how strong your cardiovascular system is, your, how well the blood supply circulation is around your body, things like that. You know, your, your fitness, the stamina of your mitochondria, yeah. efficiency of mitochondria in your cells, which is essential. So all of these things are, are important as well. And your diet, your nutrition, your mental health and all that. So the thing with longevity is, and uh, there are being more studies done, that these pranayama techniques can prevent your telomeres from shrinking. And therefore can, this is the, the new studies that are being done right now, which means with this control of your breath, improving your breathing rate, slowing it down, can have these remarkable health benefits. But there's other things. So, so when you do like the fast rhythmic breathing, what you do is you temporarily change the pH of your bloodstream. You make it more alkaline. Okay. This is one theory that I have, but I haven't, we need to test it out. But there is a reason why, in according to the yoga sutras, this is called Bastrika, and it basically purifies the blood, right? It helps detox the system. And it stops you from getting sick with colds and viruses and things like that. That's the point. Now, if you look at the way hydroxychloroquine works, which is this absolutely like banned drug, it's vindicated, it's, it's like, a, you know, it's a shame, to, it's a crime against humanity, in my opinion. If you look at how it works in mechanics, it works by altering the alkalinity around the cell, which prevents viral replication. So I also believe that this short period of doing Bastrika, what it also does is it actually moves spiral, cerebral spinal fluid around at a faster rate. So it kind of flushes the brain. But that temporary alkalosis, I think also maybe like nukes bacteria and viruses from replicating in your system. It maybe stops it from happening. Maybe. Have, I don't you know. Need to do, if, you need to do a video on that. Have you, have you talked about that on social media? I haven't yet, but it's not proven. So I want to just like get a bit more. I think this is true. Yeah. I'm, I've, I've mentioned it to my, you know, to our group and stuff and some of the doctors get it because there is an issue with viruses don't like alkalinity. Very yeah. Much. And I'm curious with the, te- with the telomeres, I have one of those, I actually sitting on my desk at home, I have one of those tele years tests. I'm wondering if oh right, tell you yes, yeah. Yeah, I'm like wondering if I send the test in and then do like 90 days of breathing, if and then send it in again and see if there's any change in in my telomeres. How quickly do you think you see changes in the body? I know everything is a little bit the cells will change quicker, perhaps than telomeres. So, so were you wondering how quickly? So a telomere, how quickly could you shorten your, how, or lengthen your telomeres? Like how could you change the effect? And to, for those of you guys that don't know what telomeres are, they're the indicator of aging. So the longer your telomeres, the longer you're going to live. I, I don't know if there's any like... Uh, research on it. 100% research done on that yet, but there is, there is a correlation between telomere length and this, the benefits of intermittent hypoxia. Yeah, right? so talk so, about that. The inner, so that's what I saw we were that. going to talk about. Yeah. yeah. So this is like, 
a very, very incredible subject that we need to, I think we all need to pay attention to is the benefits of intermittent hypoxia. Short periods, brief periods of hypoxia, lower than normal oxygen in your bloodstream. And the Wim Hof method produces this. What we do with Soma breath does it. It's based on this ancient pranayama technique called kumbhaka, right? And so when you hold your breath beyond the comfort zone, so what if you blow out all the carbon dioxide from your system, carbon dioxide is what stimulates your brain to breathe again. So if you so hyperventilate, blow the carbon dioxide and then hold your breath, you'll be able to hold your breath for continuous extended periods of time, much longer than you normally can because you've got rid of the carbon dioxide. That's why you do that rhythmic breathing as well. Uh, okay, okay. And that's what makes your bloodstream go a bit alkaline, right? Now, the more adapted you are at oxygen, you will be able to hold your breath longer and longer and longer. And, you, and when you hold your breath beyond the comfort zone, a little bit beyond the comfort zone, and your oxygen levels go down, you actually trigger this positive stress response. And your body freaks out. It goes, oh my God, I'm running out of oxygen. I better adapt. So what it does is it, stem cells get kicked into gear. You start producing more red blood cells. You start to produce more capillaries and veins at fast rate. So and cool. your body adapts to having less oxygen. So it adapts. It becomes stronger, more resilient to low oxygen environments. And it can last. If you practice this daily, it will last. Okay. And actually, there's this whole therapy where you take people up to a high altitude for a brief period all right, and then bring them back down again, and then bring them up again, and then bring them down again, and they'll report getting better symptoms. And who are people who naturally do this? The Sherpas of the, ne- mm. the Nepalese Sherpas, who are actually the Gurkha. They're the original Gurkha army, which is the strongest army in the world. They're the ones that the British Americans use to win their battles. They basically are always walking up and down mountains from a low oxygen environment, so from a high to a low oxygen environment and they're doing like endurance training as well because they're walking up hills with carrying a lot of heavy stuff and they are super strong robust they don't get disease very easily and things like that and they're very adapted using oxygen so that's good evidence another good evidence is the mexican olympics right so the mexican olympics is basically a really strange phenomenon because people are breaking records left right and center okay interesting and they wanted to know why why what's different and they realized that it's because the one thing that makes it stand out in mexico is that it was done at high altitude and they hypothesized that it's this they were adapting to low oxygen and their stamina and fitness was improving and russian scientists have now created machines that mimics high altitude intermittent hypoxic training devices with incredible results. You can look it up, the, the amount of benefits and studies there are on there, and they've done a lot. So in Pranayama, somehow, thousands of years ago, these rishis, these yogis, also discovered this, that you get better when you go to high altitudes and, and, and acclimatize to that. And they devised breathing techniques that you could do on the ground to climatize to go up to the top the Himalayas. And there's a reason why yogis go and live in the Himalayas because low oxygen environments. And here's the thing. When you do this Kumbhaka technique, you hold your breath for longer, longer periods of time. What happens is you're almost like triggering a near-death experience in the brain, right? 
And your brain starts to produce these tryptamines, these chemicals that create point of death. And actually, they've shown these experiments where they had this doctor go into a, um, a, a hypoxic chamber. And he basically was breathing in very low oxygen air. So his blood saturation of oxygen dropped significantly, right? And what he reported was this complete loss of judgment, of care. He became euphoric. He felt blissed out. He enjoyed this experience. And, if, and he would have just sat there and just died if they mm. hadn't have stopped him happily because he lost all sense of self. And actually, this, I think, is what the yogis hacked, this state. But they were able to exist in this samadhi. The way he was describing was samadhi, this oneness, this liberation, this being of bliss, connection. And I think they hacked it so they could enter into these states at will and be in them for long periods of time because they could handle very low oxygen. Interesting. They were literally getting high off their own supply. How do we do this in the modern world? Like how often, I mean, I want to hack into a blissful state. How often do yeah. I have to, how often do I have to do this type of breathing? And is it, I mean, I, I've only been doing Wim Hof about a, a month. I'm interested to try your Soma breathing. Yeah. I mean, it's really, it's an incredible way to start my day. So is this something you do daily? Can you do it for 10 minutes? What's, what's the best protocol around it? Cool. So Actually, we've devised a whole protocol for this, the 21-day Soma Breath Awakening Protocol. And basically, it takes you step-by-step on a journey to going from doing like 20-minute sessions a day to then 45-minute sessions a day for a week. So each week you do a a longer session. And the last week you do these 60-minute sessions. And these sessions are like taking you into deep autosense consciousness. And I really believe well, what I've created with the music and these ancient breathing techniques combined and the visualization techniques, creating this ceremonial-like experience, what I believe is that I've revived this ancient breathwork ritual from the legend of Soma, which was the time from the Rig Veda, where it was the golden age, the Satyuga I was telling you about before, where Rishis lived for long, long periods of time. They were like immortal. And... But what happened was they were addicted to this drink, the substance called Soma. They would give them everything they wanted. They would, they would give them uh, immortality. They would give them like the ability to be superhuman, superhuman strength and all these different qualities. And they would be able to connect to the divine and have conversations with spirit, all of this stuff. Love that. So it was like this magic substance that they were all addicted to. And at some point, the Soma starts to run out. It maybe gets controlled. Something happens. And basically, this is when they go inward. And because they're so freaked out, they're like, we cannot, we cannot be addicted to stuff. We have to find how to create our own of it. And they go, we must create it from within. And they discovered by going within Tantra and then yoga, meditation, Buddhism, all these techniques. And it was like man's quest, human's quest come off this addiction to a substance. Look what's going on in the world today. We are all addicted to this stuff, right? And we don't have any recreation, recreational pursuit unless, and obviously we have sports and things like that, but so many people's recreational activities involve drugs, alcohol, a state change using some substance, whether it's prescription meds or other substances. 
And it's not very healthy pursuits that a lot of people have, and then they get sick. But what I believe I've revived is this experience that is like, it gives you a peak human experience. When you finish it, it's like you feel a million dollars, like you feel incredible. Like I can't you, wait to try it. Yeah, it's, it takes you into, it gives you what you need at the time. Some people can learn a lot of stuff. It can bring yeah. out some emotions that they've been storing. Yeah. They can have conversation with God. But it also helps on the, the physical benefits of giving this positive stress response. So it, you get adapted to this, to oxygen, and you can start using more efficiently. And this one, so the whole course is designed to take you to this one state, and which I believe is what the yogis did. I think what happened was it went from being drug cults, like somatic drug cults, soma drug cults, whatever they were doing, whatever that ritual was, who knows, to then... And then they had found a new beneficial recreational pursuit that um, didn't re- rely on anything else but themselves. And this is what I'm trying to bring back. You know? I love it. This is it. Have you, do, you, do you do any fasting? Okay, so, so what I, I'm focused on is the Ayurvedic system. And in Ayurveda, there's no one size fits all. Yeah. And there is a, a place for fasting, right? It should be part of like a, a lifestyle but not everyone needs to do intermittent fasting. Some people, they can't handle it. It's down to your energy type. Like a vata pitta type, like me, um, we should eat more small meals regularly during the day rather than big meals and fast. It gives us more of an even kill of energy. It stops us from getting ungrounded and floaty. And We also shouldn't eat raw vegan diets, right? Because it's too much gas, too much air produced. So we're meant to have more cooked, nourishing, wholesome, whole foods. Whereas the kapha types, the more like big build people, bigger, thicker joes, tendency to put on weight and stuff, they benefit a lot from this raw vegan kind of diets and fasting and intermittent fasting and things like that. They, they benefit a lot from it. So you've got to really know who you are, know thyself. Right, that's, that's another thing that the, this breath work really helps. You start to figure things out. It kind of gives you clarity on your own operating system. I believe you have an operating system and it's conditioned, programmed from a young age. And what these techniques do is it gives you the ability to become your own software programmer, mm. to rewrite the hard disk. Mm, yeah. Love that. Yeah, and we say that all the time in our community is that there is no one size fits all and it's about finding the path. One of the things that I've been researching recently is that there's something called a hormonal hierarchy that if you want to balance insulin, you've got to balance cortisol. And if you want to balance cortisol, you really need to look at getting a good dose of oxytocin. So as you were speaking, I was thinking to myself, I wonder when people fast, if they use your soma breathing, do you any knowledge or research on if it releases oxytocin and what, or what it does to cortisol? Because if the breathing technique could calm the stress hormones, then it would help with the insulin resistance that so many people are experiencing. Indeed. So rhythmic breathing produces oxytocin when you get into this state called coherence you produce oxytocin rhythmic breathing to a beat produces oxytocin so what we do that's why there's strong emphasis on music is the music is rhythmical mm. music that you like and enjoy also produces oxytocin yes it does when you breathe yep. in a perfect rhythm to the music you produce more and also when you do it with a couple or in a group your heart electromagnetic fields of your heart connect with each other's 
and it magnifies, right. amplifies, and that produces even more amounts of oxytocin. That's why conspiring together is such a good thing. Yeah, I was just going to say, I was just going to say yeah. that we're back at conspiracy theory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Love it. That's what it's all about. Yeah. So how do people, so it's like a course, people can go, we'll put links in the notes, but people can go and order the course. And is it like you guide people through or explain a little bit about if I want to learn this type of breathing, what do I need to do? Yeah. So we actually train instructors in this these techniques and we have master instructors who are trained to facilitate the 21 day journey. We have incredible results. You can check out the feedback on the I results. Bet. We have people oh, getting their eyesight it. back. We have people healing themselves. You know, this isn't like a miracle drug or anything. Like this is a lifestyle change, yep. right? So you have to do a few things to get this to work. But it's not complicated things, but you just got to do these things. And and it's a holistic approach. So you know we all know the benefits of changing lifestyle and how it improves health. But I won't say this cures you because it doesn't. A yep. cure simply means bring somebody back to their original symptoms. Yes. What this does is it changes your personality completely. Your character changes. Mm. You're not going to be the same person. It works on the default mode network. Actually, the studies we've had done on this technique is it brings the default mode network, which is your ego, your sense of self. It quiets it down and leaves this gamma frequency mm. where your consciousness is now aware of its own conditioning and it can reprogram in this state. And this is why it's such a powerful... I can't wait to try it. Yeah. So our, our instructors are really well trained to do this. And we also train instructors to do this. What we find is people who do the 21 days, they get hooked and they want to become... I bet. This is usually the path progression that we get. Yeah. Um, Amazing. Amazing. Well, we'll put links in there. And uh, again, my passion is really helping people discover how powerful they are. This is one of the reasons I love fasting is because people can go from a state of disbelief or not knowing anything about their body. And then all of a sudden they start dropping weight and they start healing and their joint pain goes away. And what I hear from you is like breathing does the same thing. The more tools we can have at our disposal that don't cost money and tap into our own intelligence, like to me, that's the direction healthcare needs to go. Because let big pharma and the food industry, you know, destroy themselves or fight, fight it out or whatever. But if you want spectacular health, you're going to have to step out of that paradigm. And yes. like you said, follow people who have are already doing this. If you want the help that everybody else has, just do the, what they do. If you want something different, try to step it out. So yeah. l- let me finish with this. I have five questions that I love to ask people at the end of my podcast and just to get to know who we're interviewing. But I have some interesting ones that I, that I saw off of your Instagram that you had brought up. Your Instagram is really interesting, by the way. I encourage everybody to go and, and look at it. My first question, it's a deep one, is what do you think... There's so many people living a life that's not working for them. What do you think is holding so many people back from living a life of their dreams? <laughs> Great question. So like, let me put myself back into those shoes. One thing is, if you just think of all the things that have had to happen for me and you to be sat here right now in this interview. Well, who are we actually? We are just product of conditioning. So nothing is anyone's fault, right? Because in those first seven years of your life, you're bombarded by the media, the TV, you go to school, your teachers, your parents, 
all these things, this cultural hypnosis conditions you to be a certain way. And that those habits, you know, they last, you know, it's very hard to change those habits. So it plays out as I call it a reality tunnel and you end up creating a predictive like pattern of living. And so many people are conditioned into this because of this blanket educational system and TV and media having such a powerful like role at conditioning people. And also the music industry, massive cultural conditioning going on. So nothing is anyone's fault. I just got really lucky. I got sucked into doing something I hated so much that then I, I got taken by luck to a Tony Robbins. I never would have gone to that. I'm so, I was so put off by all that stuff. I got dragged by someone. So sometimes something else wakes you up. You never know what it's going to be. You need a wake up moment. I think this is it. What the world is going through right now is going through it. And uh, I think people need to, people get comfortably numb, right? There's a song. Right. Pink Floyd, one of our favorite. Exactly. And the the thing is people get, you know, they've got their mortgage. They've got, you are, you, people that what, like question, oh, how can you get, how can there be a conspiracy? Like, you know, you'd have to have so many scientists involved in the, the, you know, well, here's the thing. Who funds the scientists, right? Where do they get their source of information from? So many scientists, their source of information is literally comes from journals or data that's fed to them from date, like certain data kind of collection agencies. And then, so scientists is as good as its data, really. Same thing. So unless the scientist questions like the data and the source of information that they're getting, you always, bullshit in, bullshit out. It's always going to happen with science, okay? And then here's the thing. When a, a scientist is then challenged with an alternative opinion, they're quite often quite hostile to defend and there's a few okay. reasons here. Is I call it FOFO, the fear of feeling out. People have a serious tribe-like nature to belong, a mm. sense of belonging. And when you're in a science, science academic environment, you're giving awards, your ego's boosted, you're giving grants, you're suddenly the cool person. And, and then if somebody comes in with a piece of information that challenges that whole belief system you formed because somebody gave you a grant and it forced you down a certain belief system, um, you're going to ignore that shit because your mm. entire life will crumble. There's a few renegade scientists who are like, oh, actually, I better wake up as well and, and correct my, my agenda now. And, and so, you know, so some people do that, but most people don't yeah. because they built up so much around them, you know, so much of a life around them based yeah. on this one false piece of data. Yeah, and that's Incredible. what's happening right now. I mean, that's I, that sounds so indicative. The ego. Yeah, the ego. this is oh. what you're hearing from scientists now. Yeah, who are questioning everything. There's a one guy called Better Stadler. Everyone should listen to, who's a smart, enlightened scientist who questions the narrative and he calls all this out. He's not scared to say. As I said, a thousand doctors are leaving the NHS because they are scared yeah. to speak out in public because they get they lose their re- registration. When you take away, oh, so the scientist is better Stadler. Okay. B-E-D-A, Stadler, S-T-A-D-L-E-R. Okay, we'll check him out. So I have a 20 There's loads of them. He's not the only one. There's many. Yeah, no, and I've grabbed, I I mean, I love science. Uh, There's so much to unpack there. 
And I also think that there's some limitations. So I agree with you and the, and the mindset and, the, and who funds the studies. I mean, there's so much. So I have a 20-year-old daughter who's in college. She's actually studying philosophy and 18-year-old son who will be going off to college next year. So there's a lot of discussion about what do you do with your life? So how, what advice would you give to somebody who's trying to figure out their soul's calling, trying to find their purpose in the world? Is there a way that we can find a purpose without having to have a wake-up moment? Well, you see, this is a very, very tricky question because it's different for everybody. And what I've noticed, though, is that when people... There's different... I think there is different characters of people. Some people who are cut out to be entrepreneurs and artists and be successful versus those who are just so much more suited to a nine-to-five kind of lifestyle. And this is also in the Ayurvedic system. Like Some people are... Like they like steady routines and they like nine to five. They want to have 2.4 kids. They want the roof over their head. They don't want freedom, really. They actually get scared of people who are conspiracy theorists the most because it can threaten their own safety, security. And then there's other people who are the adventurer types. They're the ones who are novelty seeking. They want to seek new things. They see what other people don't see. They're usually the creatives, the artists, the entrepreneurs. And those personality types get stuck in a school system, which treats them all like the robot types. And they get stifled. And then they get given like ADHD pills and Ritalin and all this stuff. So true. And and that switches off the the novelty-seeking part of the brain. And then they become a frustrated robot. And, you know, I was one of these frustrated robots. I got funneled into doing a, a robotic profession when I'm an artist. All right? Because the schooling system's all driven towards that. So true. Now, at this point, now this is where I find people make they wake up or they break up, right? You know, and that is basically the realization where what you're doing is inherently extremely wrong and it's gonna damage you if you keep doing it. All right. So some people can handle that and they just numb numb themselves. Mm-hmm. Or they can't handle it, but they just numb themselves to the point where they can handle it and then carry on. Others, they either go and have nervous breakdowns, go and end up in psychiatric hospitals, or what happens is some of them burn their bridges completely. And this is where sometimes the, the, the casualties come. Because when you don't have your fundamental human needs met, your sex, money, relationships, you know, you can go dark, a little bit reptilian side yep. and dark side, reptilian brain kicks in survival mode. And you can go down a dark path. You can become a criminal mastermind. You know, you can be a bullying down all kinds of wrong paths. You get out of that previous job that you hated. Others go towards the light. But often what I've realized is that they're the ones who went through some kind of nervous breakdown, like some kind of health crisis. And I'm trying to get people to stop, to get get them before they have that breakdown. Right. Right. Because I believe with the breathing techniques, the right breathing techniques and the music, getting into auto states consciousness naturally, you can, with this technique of quieting the default mode network and activating this gamma brainwave frequencies, I believe you can go in and see yourself in a whole new light and you can start remembering the things that you really enjoy, or you can start solving problems. You get heightened states of inspiration. Inspired means inspiration, breathe in. 
inspired literally means breathe in because the word spirituality means to breathe, yeah. right? Comes to the Latin root to breathe. Inspire means to breathe in. So when you breathe in in a certain way, you get heightened thought. You switch on gamma frequencies in the brain Love and you that. can download knowledge, ideas, creativity that changes the world. Wow. And a lot of the entrepreneurs, famous entrepreneurs, they had their own meditative practices. They got them into these states. Yep. You know, some, some of them use psychedelics as well. So, so I do believe that we, if we can get the tools to people at the right time, they don't have to suffer and go through that pain to learn things. They can learn from insight instead. Oh, you know? Love that. So I got to get them breathing. I'm gonna. One, I think so. One, yeah, I think it's actually a really good idea. It's a to because if and you, reading success stories of other people, ah. read read people you admire's books, and and really get deep into like other people's stories of people that you admire, and have, create a supreme council of people that you admire, and you and we have a 21 day this journey, and this actually is designed to give people that in, inspire, inspiration at the end of it, where they just wow. know with conviction what they want to do. And we have this technique where you create this imaginary council, a supreme council, and you kind of channel their energy into you. And really the way it works is by really studying these people, reading their words about as much information as possible and getting to these heightened states of emotion. And they've shown studies, there's a Rykoff technique where it's just, special type of hypnosis where you you actually can alter your personality by strongly believing you have the characteristics of someone else you know when we were kids we would uh, put like pictures of our idols on our walls well this oh, was a, yeah. our own natural kind of way of hypnotizing ourselves conditioning ourselves to follow a certain path of an idol's path in india you have all these deities of gods that you One's for wealth, one's for protection, all these things. And you channel this. Really, it's self-hypnosis. It's creating belief, self-belief. And through the power of belief, we can actually change the world. I really, when we really believe in something, we can master something. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to have them watch this segment. That was, that was amazing. Yeah. What's your favorite spiritual practice other than breath work? What would you say your second favorite is? Well, I am actually a few class um, dance and dancing like crazy as a spiritual practice. That would, that's one of the things. Awesome. Also, we're having sex, obviously, with my partner. It's the best. Awesome. That's a spiritual practice. And then also, I'm really into certain meditation techniques where you turn off the verbal part of the mind. The verbal part of the mind is what creates tension, stress in the body. When you produce a thought, you automatically create a sympathetic nervous system response, and that actually causes tension. And chronic tension leads to pain, and what I was talking about before. So having a time, a chance, just to switch off the verbal part of the brain. So you stop speaking, and you channel your thought into like basically being attention towards a sound, maybe like one tone, like a do. Or just staring at like a, mm. a dot on the wall. What it does is it turns off the speaking part of the brain and tension releases. And you go into this kind of mindless state. And it's such a blissful state you can get into. Oh, I love it. You know, they, they have you do that when you're in natural childbirth. Huh? 
in natural childbirth, they have you do that where you like focus on like one spot. So it's interesting. Yeah. Okay. My last question. This is a question I ask all my guests. If you had one message for the world that you could just get implanted into everybody's brain, what would that message be? The, the most obvious thing is that we already have everything we need to receive. I love it. I love Deep it. Deep within. We already have it. You don't need to keep seeking outside. Just go within. Oh, I love it. I love it. Well, Niraj, this was incredible. I could, again, talk to you for hours. And you you have me very interested in breathing. I will be doing your 21-day program. Ooh. We will put the links for our community. We have a membership group of a thousand people. And we, we, we work out together. We fast together. We discover new ways to empower ourselves together. So I'm actually thinking of bringing this to them. And right. saying, we can give okay, them a discount. That would be awesome. We'll, we'll chat with you about that because this could be really... I, I see it so synergistic with our message and what sure. we're trying to get out to the world. So I would love to work with yeah. you on that. It'd be amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Beautiful. Thank you. And I know it's late where you are. So thank you so much. And keep doing the amazing work that you're doing. Really love it to meet you. It was a brilliant uh, interview with you. Thank Thank you you. so much. Thank you. Have a beautiful night. You too. Much love. Bye. Bye. Hey, Resetters. If you're feeling overwhelmed with all the information that is out there on which is the best diet for you, which fast should you be doing? How the heck do you go about balancing your gut microbiome? And how do you start to stabilize your blood sugar? Then I want to encourage you to join me in my Reset Academy membership group. I created this group because I saw that there was such a need for you to have more guidance in bringing these incredible principles together and figuring out which diet and which fasting tool is best for you. And I really truly mean that, that we all have a personal direction that we should be pointing our health in. And that direction is unique. That path is unique to us. So here's what you'll find in my academy is that I've got courses on how to be the best fat burner possible, how to slow down the aging process, how to fast around your hormonal cycle, how to finally become metabolically flexible. I've got recipes, I've got research, plus you get access to all the group resets that I've done with my community. But we didn't really stop there because your health is massively important to me. So we have live weekly workouts with me from my backyard. I put on a heck of a workout, 20 minutes of HIIT training workout. So you can join me in the community there. We have two calls a month where you get all your health questions answered. And best of all, there is an incredible, supportive, loving, amazing community that has formed there. So we would love to have you on this journey with us. If this is of interest to you, please go to resetacademy.drmindypels.com and sign up and I will see you in my Reset Academy. Okay, Resetters. So if you guys know me, I love new information and I love learning new things about the human body. And so that was a gift for my brain. And I am going to rush out and start doing his 21-day program because I've been doing the Wim Hof breathing and I, and I literally downloaded the app on my phone and it's a free app. And I was like, let me try this. Let me see. And so I had a little taste going into this interview about what's happening to my brain when I'm breathing. 
But he took it to a whole nother level. I mean, I want to hack into being like a yogi that can be in bliss all the time. Well, I think we both have always wanted to hack into that. <laughs> I liked the science part of like what happens to the human body that he brought in. Like when I like all the stuff he was talking about with Wim Hof's m- methods, like what is actually happening to the human body. I hadn't heard that before. So that was really fascinating. Yeah. And he, you know, again, what we love are these deep thinkers or to bring you guys people who are thinking different. So I loved what he had to say about conspiracy theory, how it was conspire together because conspiracy theory has really gotten this bad rap, especially right now. Mm -hmm. But if you take a step back and you just go, oh, you know what? There's a group of people that are looking at this different, that they've come together. And that's, you know, really what our Resetter tribe is. Our Resetter resetter group is saying, hey, we want to do things different. So let's come together and do this different. And that's conspiring together to tap into our own intelligence. Is that a bad thing? No, no. But it is interesting that we've made it such a negative thing. Yeah. But we're also, especially in this time, we're so against differences right now. So yeah, we got to start there and just appreciate each other's differences. Yeah. To kind of move that's what this. that's one of the biggest things I'm learning from the Marianne Williamson mentorship group I'm in. She really talks a lot about how we need to be okay disagreeing with people, and that in that we can elevate our thinking. So what I also love is that here he is. I mean, this is so classic where you've got people who feel like they should get on their own path. And that they should get on a path that society thought they should get on, their parents thought they should get on, and they hop on that path only to find themselves miserable. Mm -hmm. And how do they get out of that? Mm -hmm. And then if anybody, you know, for a lot of people, if anybody contradicts that or, or tells them they're stupid or tells them, you know, shut up and stay on your path, like we don't allow people to be out of the box thinkers. Because it goes against the way our society is built. It's we're built around same, same. Think this way, do this thing. Happiness comes in your cars, your house. So when somebody tries to step out of a traditional lifestyle, they are met with many times met with adversity. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think I'm learning from Marianne is like, so if somebody's thinking different, it's okay to challenge the person and talk to them, but this idea that we need to ridicule them and like shut them down, block them on social media, now we're the ones that lose because we haven't allowed for a, an expansion of our thought. Yeah. There's a, okay, there's a lot to unpack in that. <laughs> I had a lot, like I wanted to chat with him about that. So I know it's deep, but it's something that's at the core of what's been irritating me in this whole COVID situation. Well, I think you've got like, well, you have two different things that I think you just mentioned in there. One is like how we're brought up. And I don't necessarily, like, I love the way that he put it is that we're brought up in this realm of safety. So if you think about you Mm -hmm. and your kids, or if I think about my parents, it's not necessarily that they didn't believe that I couldn't do something different or that they, that had I wanted to do something out of the box that I necessarily think they would have shunned it. But it's all about, you know, you're the parent, I don't have children, but you want your kids to be safe. You want them to be happy. You want them to be provided. You want to make sure that they're living in a good home. And so in order to have a good home, you got to have a job, right? So 
I think there's this safety aspect that comes into play that we all just want to be safe, which is why if we come to realize, okay, the path I'm on is making me miserable, I want to go do this, again, it comes back to safety. If I go do this, am I going to be able to provide for my family? Am I going to be able to provide, make my mortgage payment? Am I going to be able to have enough money to put gas in my car? So it's this fear of being unsafe that we've never really been taught how to be unsafe throughout our whole life. So now wow. you get to be 30 or 50 or 70, whatever age you are, you decide you're miserable. We have no skill set to implement to step into being unsafe. I guess so what makes sense. Yeah, no, it makes perfect sense. You're, I think you're right that we stay in societal's programming because it's safe. And he talked about that, how we're meant to be tribal and together. Right. So the step out of that is what I'm interested in. And for myself, for my children, and I, and I feel I had this aha moment when he was talking that this is what we're doing in the Resetter Tribe. And one of the greatest like things that I get to do is sit back and watch these people take on a fasting lifestyle and start to, their body starts to heal. And then they step back in to talk to their doctor and their doctor is like, I don't know, this is unsafe. This doesn't, you know, they get nervous. Mm -hmm. And what I am here, heard from him right now is like, breath work could be your step out too. Mm -hmm. And there's almost like, it's like, I see it in my mind that we need to create tools for people to step out of their programming. Mm -hmm. And breath work, just like fasting, is one of those tools. Well, because I think both of those connect you back to yourself. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's one of the hard parts about stepping out into unsafe territory or changing whatever it is that you're trying to change, whether it's fasting, health, your job, your career, is that there's so much outside commotion, outside speaking, outside outside things telling you that what you're about to do is unsafe, that I think with breath work or fasting, meditation, it allows you to connect with yourself to really understand what is it that you want and listen mm -hmm. to yourself rather than hearing everything else around you. Mm -hmm. I mean, that would just be my guess of why it could mm -hmm. be one stepping point into it. There's this great, we were watching Modern Family yesterday. It made me think while he was talking, there's this scene where he says, we spend so much time, Cam says it, I think, we spend so much time growing up trying to fit in and be a part of the group that when we get older, we realize that really what we want to be is different, mm. but we've been conditioned our whole life to want to fit in. And so like to, uh, learning to step yeah. out, learning to uncondition yourself to step out, yeah. which is true, right? Like as a kid, you want to be, you want to be the person that doesn't get picked last. You want to be able to play oh, with everybody. Yeah. And so you alter yourself to fit in with those groups yep. to only realize later that you actually didn't ever want to be a part of those groups or you want to be different. Yeah. It's interesting. Oh, it's so fascinating. How, do you want to try the breath work? Yeah, definitely. Me too. And I, Although, I think... I'm really impressed that you can hold your breath for four, however you said, four I minutes. I know. I don't, I just started four <laughs> minutes. Uh, Sequoia is really impressed too. And I'm, uh, he was like, and then of course he went into safety. Now I'm going to have to go back and tell him that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I definitely am loving the breath work, which is why this idea of mo to mixing it to music sounds incredible. It's something euphoric about holding your breath, but it's the they Wim Hof has you do a pre-breath where you're in out in out, and so when you get to the moment where you're holding your breath, 
it's almost like a relief. You're like, oh, so because you're going like like in and out nonstop for about a minute, and then you go to hold your breath, and then the, he's right. Like I got, I get a small little glimmer of insight. I feel calm. And then when you let go of the breath, of course, that feels amazing too. Is this like, is the breath you're doing almost like the breath of fire you do at the end of Hatha? It, yes. Okay. Yes. It's like... Got it. Okay. But you're, but you're going from your belly. So you're breathing in through your nose. Okay. Yeah. And, and you, he has you do it about 30 times and you get your fingers get really tingly. It's like a drug trip. It's hard. I mean, it's it's really hard. The like, first that's time, like breath of fire at the end yep. of a yoga class. And it's exhausting. Yeah. First time I did it, I was like, oh, my lungs are burning. <laughs> and then like, oh, the monkey mind was going crazy. And then I'm like, my hands are tingling. I'm like, what's going... And then of course, my educated brain was like, what am I... What's going on? What's the physiological reactions happening here? And then he moves you into holding the breath. And you're a little bit like, oh, this is euphoric. This feels really good. Like... And then he has you exhale and you do a 15 second hold at the end and then you go back again. And so typically I do about four rounds. It takes me maybe 20, 30 minutes to do it every morning. And I am holding my breath longer and longer. I've been playing with some things like what happens last night. I came and did the oxygen chamber. Mm-hmm. And so then I'm like, okay, do I have, what's it like the next day after I've been doing the oxygen chamber? Mm-hmm. So... But I love it. To me, it's so in alignment with fasting. It's like, Mm -hmm. it just, I want to tap into the miracle that I am. And I think that this is what yogis know is that they don't need happiness. They don't need health outside them. They need to tap into what's inside them. Mm -hmm. So I see a real synergy for our resetters with this breath work alongside of the, the fasting. Yeah. And the other beautiful thing about it is it's free. It's already something that we we can do right right now. So that's the only way we're going to change health is if we can start to give people tools that don't cost money and don't take a lot of time. Now fasting doesn't take a lot of time, but this takes time. But still, if you see the upside of it, you're gonna you are gonna be able to to apply it pretty easily. Well, and he talked about it as uh, I think a length of of lifelong expectancy. Like he was talking about the animals and how those that breathe really fast or don't control, oh, don't know how to control their health or their breath die faster. They don't live as long. So if you think about it, 30 minutes a day to live an extra 10, 15 years, it's really not that bad of a trade-off. No. no. And you know, my parents are big meditators. They're in their eighties. I'm thinking I'm going to get, turn them on to this Soma breathing. They would probably love it. Oh, they, they would do it right before their meditation. I, I could see them being really into it. Yeah. So, and Susan Bratton, what she call herself a sex advisor, she talked about nitric oxide. So hmm. I was, I, I now want to dive into understanding nitric oxide a little bit more because when you're doing this breath work, you're doing like a nitric oxide dump, which she talked about how important that is for testosterone and libido and sexual, everything to do with sex. She talked about nitric oxide. She has supplements that will help with that. Right. Well, what if all we have to do is breathe differently to move nitric oxide through our bodies? That's pretty cool. Right? Well, and those with libido problems, if you just sat there and worked on breath work, yeah. And worked on breath. That's fascinating. Yeah. So anyways, my mind's going crazy. You guys, let us know what you think. You know, again, 
If you love this episode, share it out. And we're just getting people to believe in themselves again. And to me, this was a, a pivotal interview to be able to give you another tool that you can do on your own. So hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. You put the whole foods in, you take all empty foods out, you put organic food in, and you shake bad toxins out. You eat ketobiotic and your microbiome shouts. That's what it's all about. You put fast cycling in, you take overeating out, you put the good fats in, trying seven fast types out. You download Carb Manager where your food is all graphed out. That's what it's all about. That's what resetting is all about.